Wow, dude. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> that was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 97 of the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. My name is John. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Quinn. Hey, guys. And Curtis. Hi there. It's a lovely July 30th. Uh, it's the core three today. We're all back here again together. Nice to chat with you too. Um, you know, it's been a while since we've all sat together, the three of us. So how are you guys doing? What's uh, what's new? Uh, I was, I was going to go for a 30 kilometer run today, as I was saying before the podcast, but I, uh, I had a tacos and margarita night last night. <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't drink too much, but uh, I only ran 13 kilometers and I got a little bit lost in the woods, but I mean, that's still okay. So I'm just gearing up for the marathon and for coming back to Canada. So I'm in Canada in a couple of weeks. So excited wow. to see you guys again. Oh, yeah. What about you, Quinn? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, I'm doing a little bit of a cleanse. I'm taking some time off uh, drinking and stuff like that. I'm just kind of taking it easy. Um, so I've been doing that. Uh, I went and saw Barbie the other day, and today I'm going to see Oppenheimer in the afternoon. So the full full Barbenheimer experience. Yeah, it's, I'm having a I'm having a bit of a Barbenheimer week. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much just just hanging out, and then this afternoon going to see that. So I'm uh, very excited to go out and see that. Um, I hope yeah. you like it too, because I watched uh, Oppenheimer. I did the same as you. I watched Oppenheimer on Monday, and it was like I didn't have time to watch two movies in one day. But I watched Oppenheimer, yeah. and then I watched Barbie. I think midweek and. It was. I really enjoyed both of them. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Barbie um, shortly here. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. What about you, John? Uh, for me, not nothing too much. Uh, I'm going camping in a few weeks myself. So I've been. Uh, we were doing some planning, planning for a camping trip, planning for uh, our New York trip in October. So we started to kind of uh, plan our schedule somewhat, so we're not rushing the last week before to figure out everything. So started, started doing a little bit of that. We've been kind of uh, cleaning up around the apartment too, much, uh, much uh, belated uh, tidying and, and stuff like that, which is uh, necessary from time to time. The amount of crap we all accumulate, it's, it shocks us sometimes. It's like, Oh, where did this stuff even come from? And it's just like more junk that's in our house that we don't need. Not my Blu-rays and DVDs though. Nothing like that. Those are important. So that's, that's the, yep. that's the key stuff to keep, obviously. Uh, so that's yeah, that's, that's how, all. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I did see uh, Oppenheimer uh, at the IMAX, but I haven't seen Barbie yet. So I'm going to hopefully uh, maybe roll out for that sometime in a week or two. We'll see how the schedule goes. So uh, very excited for that. So I guess we can get maybe into our news of the week talking about new movies. There's also two that just came out. One of them is actually one I'll probably see it before Barbie. It's uh, the horror film Talk to Me, uh, directed by um, Danian and Michael uh, Philippou, who are the duo, the YouTube duo. I believe they go by Rocka Rocka. They do a bunch of like skits stuff on YouTube. I I clued into them like about a decade ago. I had a buddy who was like uh, showing me a bunch of their videos. They did they would do these like crazy ronald mcdonald videos where he's like doing crack and like drinking and getting into shenanigans and i i, I remember thinking it was so wacky and totally forgot about it left my mind until I, I heard about this movie looked them up and realized it was the same troupe so this is their film debut they're an australian group uh it just i believe it just came out like two or three days ago i think it just came out on friday so uh, already getting really great reviews i have a suspicion this will be like the indie horror hit of the of the summer early fall so i'm uh, very excited to check it out um you'll hear about more about it as, as it goes along i'm sure um, another one as well too uh one i care much less about is uh, the new disney the haunted mansion movie uh, which is the second adaptation they did one <laughs> didn't they just have back. that one with eddie murphy yeah the, well just yeah. had that it was like 20 years ago so i mean i don't know how how soon that <laughs> yeah, was but I mean, that being said uh it is a new adaptation yeah it's got, got a pretty stack cast too lakeith stanfield tiffany haddish uh rosario dawson jamie lee curtis you know the names go on a lot a lot of folks in it um is no the in that one too uh yeah he is i think yeah danny devito's okay. in it i right. i don't even i barely remember the haunted mansion i watched that eddie murphy one that you were mentioning curtis i watched that one a long long time ago and like i it's out of terrible. my brain i have no idea it's <laughs> terrible you're like garbage <laughs> i don't remember the movie at all i think it was last last year spooky season i'm like i think it came up on my disney plus i'm like oh it's been a long time like 
you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's spooky season, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm like, maybe it's not as awful as it was. <laughs> yeah, it's the bill. I threw it on and I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like it, it just, <laughs> like, it just doesn't like, it doesn't have that magic like it could. But anyways, yeah. maybe the yeah, so that's that's it's pretty. Other than that, nothing else new this week. Um, of course, the big story has been, of course, the financial success of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Uh, notably, Barbie is actually officially now the biggest box office hit opening by uh, by a woman director. Yeah, so Greta Gerwig, um, yeah. she's Greta Gerwig's been getting a lot of buzz for this movie. Um, I, I'm I'm interested in watching it. It's been getting a lot of critical acclaim as well too. Um, and uh, it'll I don't know. I think we're still waiting to see what the impacts are going to be of this movie. I saw some stuff on on the internet of like studios were already hyping go to the double billing of x and x in like a few months or something and i and i feel like that's missing kind of a key point of this whole barbie oppenheimer thing which is that these two movies were kind of specifically described as like boy movie girl movie and that was kind of part of it was like oh oppenheimer chris nolan you know the the film bros filmmaker and then of course greta gerwig darling auteur and also someone who's made been very successful making movies that are uh, i would call like movies specifically kind of geared towards women lady bird little women the women yeah um, and and i you know very successful films but nonetheless two big film auteurs with sort of gendered audiences and um, it wasn't just the subject matter; it was the fact that they were so marketed towards those groups. I don't know if you know going through the rolodex of what's coming up and picking two random films is going to work to the same degree. But um, at the very least, it seems to be giving people more attention to the idea of how they structure these uh, release schedules. Notably, in a negative way, in the case of Mission Impossible, the new one, which is it seems like is is having a bit of a rough go because of these two movies sort of taking over. Mm. Um, we're also seeing now the the impacts of. Uh, the recent strikes there was some news that some of the films that are supposed to come out later this year are starting to be delayed and i believe they officially announced the new spider-verse movie this the the sequel to the part one another one <laughs> which i think was already going to be delayed is actually now already announced it's going to be delayed even further so um it's going to be a weird phenomenon because i don't think that movie's now is going to come out until like 2025 at the earliest so it's uh for a movie that i haven't seen but i've heard described as literally just ends like part one and it's over um it'll be interesting to see uh the reaction and people waiting for that next one so um other other little business news i don't have a whole lot this week but uh there was a report that universal their streaming service in the united states of course is peacock we don't have that here in canada uh, if you're if you're not familiar with canada streaming we have uh very different services because we're uh we're a corporate we're oligopy crave, here. We're, yeah. yeah, we're a corporate oligopy, which means like three companies run the entire country, uh, which usually is terrible. Uh, but in the case of like streaming, it actually kind of works out because um, in the United States, things have become increasingly fractured and like rights go everywhere and everyone's opening up their own streaming service. We have just Craven Canada. It's run by Bell Media um, and has like HBO and some other shows. But in the United States, uh, uh, Universal created Peacock to kind of house the NBC shows and a lot of other kind of original shows they're creating. Some of them have been well-received from what I hear. Um, but there was an announcement that Peacock lost about $651 million from April, June. It's expected to lose $3 billion this year, which is in insane. Um, and it just shows you how much of these properties are, how much of this feels like a Pyrrhic war. The idea that, you know, there's only a certain piece of the pie that we can get. And all these companies are willing to just burn money to see who's the last one standing. And, you know, Netflix was the first one in that scene. And they they were very successful at getting licensed material from Disney, from Universal, from all these big uh, companies. And um, now all those companies are like, you know what? We want it. We have our stuff. We can make our own things, especially with Paramount, how Paramount is like, let's make TV adaptations of like everything we have in our stable. I don't know how successful this is, but it it is a weird time where we're getting just a glut of stuff and uh i don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes but i was i was shocked reading that number that three billion was lost for a service that you think would be successful yeah, it has, that is that is not a money that is not that's barely a business isn't yeah it, three it, billion. <laughs> it has the office like how the fuck is is it losing money if you go if you look at canada stats on, on netflix in canada or i guess on crave too like the office is like the most streamed thing and it's like huge a huge deal and even in canada when they announced or, or i guess this was both canada and the united states when they announced that uh the rights to friends would be going somewhere else like that was a big deal and like 
obviously these original series is what draws a lot of people to these services, especially in the case of something like Netflix. But um, a lot of it does seem to come from these big licensed tentpole shows and stuff like that, stuff that people watch. Like like in the old days, it'd be reruns. You'd be watching your Gilligan's Islands, your stuff like that. You'd be watching them on TV over and over and over again. That's the syndication model is how a lot of, you know, film creators and actors made money too. Because uh, if your show reached what was the threshold, 100 episodes, you get syndication, which meant you were going to get royalty checks every year for the rest of your life. And it was a, a much more financially lucrative model for the people who made the stuff. Nowadays, uh, there was even a post yesterday about, um, I don't remember the actor's name, but he was on the show Lizzie McGuire. I believe he played Lizzie's dad. And he posted a residual check check from Disney for zero dollars. And, and and this was a this was a show that was on on television. But a lot of people that are in the streaming shows, because of all the costs associated with it, are seeing very, very small residuals from it. And it's uh, causing a lot of concern in, in that degree. So th- this this is all stuff that's going to be part of the whole labor movement, but still ongoing. And I, I thought it was uh very interesting. And actually, Curtis, uh, before we close up, I saw Curtis, you added a late little note about uh, Sinead O'Connor. Uh, she noticed, mm-hmm. well, you legally changed her name. She uh, converted a Judea, uh, to um, to Islam, Islam later in her life yeah. to uh, Shudada Sadak. Uh, but Sinead O'Connor, of course, being her birth name and her uh, musician uh, artist name. Um, you might know her, of course, from uh, the song Nothing Compares to You, the Prince cover, and, you know, one of the most successful songwriters, activists uh, f- from Ireland, noted notable for her um, kind of radical views and, and just her appearance as well, too. Yeah, being, very, very uh, With a shaved woman. <laughs> head, very ahead of her time. And for me, when I think of Shane O'Connor, I always think of the infamous SNL performance where she performed and at the end of the performance ripped up a picture of the Pope because she was um, strongly a critical and against the Catholic Church's uh, issues around child sex- yeah, sexual Yeah, and she was, she was actually ahead, ahead of her time there too because she was doing and, that and way, years was before. Canceled and she was correct. Yeah. yeah. She was like the yeah. Dixie Chicks too because that's sort of what happened 100%. with them and Bush. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's, uh, it's so it's, fucked up. It, and I was reading an interview about her um, just because, you know, because of her death, there's been a lot of stuff, people coming out with their stories. There was a really actually interesting thread from Russell Crowe talking about being at, like, in, in Ireland in, in the winter and this woman walking by like dressed like a babushka. Yeah. And they realized it was her and they invited her in. And lovely story. But a lot yeah, of people nice have been connection. coming out with their stories. And uh, I was reading about that incident. And actually what was fascinating is, of course, she had such a very troubled life. I believe her birth mother was an alcoholic and had like yeah she used to she used to beat her and kick her and she, she left had, her out of the house at night. But her yeah, and apparently her mom had gone through the church and a lot of her trauma came from that. And um, the night that she did the SNL appearance, the photo that the photo that she actually tore was the photo that her mother had in her room. Yeah, of the of she the had Pope. It from her so it, house. And I, yeah. I read that yesterday, and I was blown away because I'm like I always just assumed it was just a random photo, but this was a, a photo that actually had a lot of personal um, connection Personally, to her yeah. and to her family. I didn't know so. That. Um, really, uh, really, I mean, it, her career in the recent years um, had, had had a bit of a downswing. Um, and of course, last year, her son yeah, had uh, really, had passed away yeah. from suicide. And that had a very that large was kind of the catalyst, I think. Yeah. yeah, but um, very, very tragic. Someone who I think wasn't as sort of well known or well regarded in recent years, but someone who had a very big impact on uh, in the music world. And I think you see that from just all the people kind of coming out, speaking out about her. Yeah. Someone well, who. Yeah. The reason I, I brought that one up, too, is because uh, RogerEbert.com had a little write-up on it, too. And I decided to watch the documentary, so I kind of had a weird week. I watched Barbie, and then I watched uh, uh, G.I. Jane, and then I watched uh, this film. And uh, the, the documentary came in last year, and it was really, really good. And actually have they interview her, too. And she had she had a rough life, too. You know, after the living with the abusive mother, they put her in the, the house of the Magdalene sisters, who are known for being corrupt and abusive. And just, you know, I think she just needed, a, like, a friend, you know, like, and she was so ahead of her time, like you said, too. I mean, some people were saying, like, she's kind of like the first non-binary kind of music icon, too, you know, because she had the shaved head and everything. And the first two albums, like, amazing too and then you know people kind of just dropped her too and i'm like it's really weird like i mean looking back now i guess people didn't know how bad the the church was at the time too but i mean what's more important like your 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 church or like you know protecting the lives of children i think that's not hard to tell so i you know i would have i would have ripped the pope's picture too to be honest so i, I probably would have gone a step further but uh yeah i mean i guess it's more musical but i think it's it's a worth checking out the documentary so i just wanted to bring that up too especially in light of her death too because i think it is a very sad story what happened and i feel like no one was really there for her in the end too so you know a lot of people are talking about her but you know 
I don't know if you know, they were always kind of so supportive. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out the documentary, I think. And I want to ask, Quinn, I think you watched Barbie. What did you think of it? Uh, yeah, uh, to be honest. Um, so my wife and I went to see Barbie and, uh, you know, I was I was looking for like the movie critic in me, I suppose, was looking forward to seeing, um, you know, a really colorful movie. Uh, you know a movie with with good set design and stuff like that and 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 i got that um out of this movie but i'll I'll be honest i was a little bit blindsided i i do like greta gerwig's work so i was expecting um you know some some level of quality there but i i I didn't i i got more than what i was expecting you know like there's a lot of it's almost it's almost too much at times you know with some scenes there's so much going on that's right yeah and there's a there's a lot of buzz online you know like and a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, you know, it's a very political movie. It's very this. It's a very feminist movie. It's a very this. It's a very this. And, and to be honest, I, I, I got I got more of I got more than that out of it. Um, You know, I, I know John hasn't seen it. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it. Obviously, it, yeah. it's one of the biggest movies out right now. And we have listeners that haven't seen it, too. So um, but I will say um, I for me, I, I personally got like a lot out of it, a lot out of the movie. I thought it was really layered and uh I also think it's a movie, despite what people say, I think it's a movie about feminism and it's about also about toxic masculinity. And I do think that it shows us that that feminism might not work and toxic masculinity might not work. And we can't have one of each and one is not necessarily heavier than the other. And I believe that I believe that it's, it's about being yourself and being trying to be happy with yourself and being less judgmental of others and i think that i think that the world right now especially in north america we're we're in a we're in a bad way in 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 the sense of you know your your other your other democrat or republic your other lgbtq plus or your anti and i i think there's a lot of divisiveness yeah yeah and 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 i personally think that's like sad and i i hate that because like I'm a type of person who's like pro-choice with everything. And like, I think that everyone should be able to do like what they want to do when they want to do it. And like, they shouldn't get slagged like people are doing. And I believe that Barbie is about, you know, it kind of, it kind of confronts that kind of device. Yeah, doesn't it? You know? And, yeah. And I, and I just believe that, you know, John, when you see the movie too, I, I think you'll, you'll notice that, you know, not everything is supposed to be perfect and even when you when you figure that out and some characters in this movie do you know that's that's not a bad thing because if everything was perfect all the time things would kind of suck so i think uh yeah barbie really wowed me man it really did um it it was uh an emotional movie uh at times i I just love margot robbie too (laughs) Yeah, Margot Robbie and and uh Rhea, Ryan, Rhea Ryan Perlman, Gosling, yeah. Perlman, rather, sorry. Uh mm-hmm. Rhea Perlman's just beautiful in this too. And uh I just think uh overall it's a movie that I think a lot of people need to see. A lot of people shouldn't shouldn't write it off. Because to be honest, is Barbie for me? No, it's not. <laughs> like did I did I play with Barbies as a kid? No. Did you don't I have a with... secret room full of Barbies. <laughs> yeah. Did I play with Ken as a kid? No. Do I like Ryan Gosling? Yes. Do I like Margot Robbie? Yes. Do I like Greta Gerwig? Yes. To be honest, I bring my wife to a lot of movies that she's like, how long's left in this? Like, <laughs> and, and so she told me, and she ah, told me. head for the third time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah. yeah, that's right. But like, see, when they announced Barbie like a year and a half, two years ago, I, I literally said, I'm like, that is going to be horrible. I can't wait to see it. And that's what I said. But I'm a person who like watches everything. Whereas a lot of people will be like, Barbie, I'm too, I'm too, you know, I'm too, of a, too much of a man to go see uh, that. Too, so, yeah, and, it's, it's, and you gave you, it a chance. You'd be, surpri- you, you'd you, be you surprised open, though. Because you had an open mind and you gave it a chance. Part, you know? part of the yeah, because you, yeah. if you, if you do watch the movie, it's about men as it, as much as it is about women. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I was kind of interested in between them. I, I right. And anyone movie, online but... who's saying that, oh, it's a feminist movie, partially, is it is a feminist movie, but it's also part of 
a masculine, very masculine. Yeah, because I think I think it's Muslim. about like getting those genders to kind of communicate to and to have better relationships too. I think, and exactly. that's why why we're because one them, so. one isn't superior than the other. Yeah, we both need e- we like both recognize, need recognizing other. those inequalities and yeah, exactly. And and we can help each other out, and not in a necessarily in a romance or a sexual yeah or a, you know I, I I don't know. I'll be honest, Barbie really impressed me it's very layered it's very deep it's very different it's very unique and it's full of energy. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i honestly i i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought you'll, it was great. obviously there's it. some cheese to it and stuff like that of course but you know what overall it's a good movie because it's a breath of fresh air it's new I, i'm excited to hear your full review john i think you'll really enjoy it oh, yeah man, john i think I'll, you I'll, i think you will like it too i'll, I'll be down to watch it I'll, I'll roll out for that yeah. soon hopefully yeah. Um, I, I, that's good to know. Then I guess um, if if we have nothing else for this news this week, uh, we can we can roll roll towards our our movie roll topic to sure, <laughs> which is the uh, you know we're on a really really Scott watch series. Our topic today is GI Jane, um, a movie that a lot of people have no cultural memory of, but might remember from last year at a certain event called the Oscars, where Chris Rock cracked a joke about Will Smith's wife uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, because she has a, a bald well, head right, because yeah. she has alopecia, so she's been losing her hair. And Chris Rock made a crank about her starring in G.I. Jane yeah, 2. He got slap. <laughs> and he got slapped. And I, I it's burned in my head forever. You know, it was a G.I. Jane joke. Like, I just think of that all the time. For, <laughs> it just comes to my head. I'll be at work typing, and then it just pops in my brain. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I never... I don't know about you guys. Have you guys seen this movie though? This was my first time watching this yeah, film. Yeah, it was my first time too. Like, I heard a lot of hype about it when I was growing up in the 90s too because it was yeah. all about like, you know, Debbie Moore just done striptease too and and uh, and uh, yeah, so it was quite hype but I'd never watched it. I don't think I knew anyone who watched it too. My dad was always like, oh, G.I.G. But I was like, well, I kind of want to watch this, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's a um, it's a fascinating story, yeah. It, it wasn't, sorry, it was my first time but uh-huh. I had seen it. I remember seeing it on the... Uh, the TBS Superstation back in the day, <laughs> and just just watching like like it briefly, and yeah. uh, I must admit I've always found Demi Moore to sort of like like I, I I don't maybe it's just me but I find her appearance changes like if you yeah. look at her if you look at her now and if you look at her back in the day well, even in striptease she looks different. Well, but she here, had, yeah she had numerous it, it, like sur- surgeries and I mean. Uh, yeah. I don't want to speak too much on it because it's her body and her appearance. But I mean, yeah. it, for striptease, she notably got um, s- significant breast augmentation. And uh, oh, you see in this movie, you're like, if you watch like an earlier movie, you see this. She was someone who had a lot of uh, plastic surgery and stuff like that. And I, I feel like it's kind of interesting to think about that now because I feel like we used to be so much more. We would focus on that a lot. And now pretty much anyone working in entertainment men and women has had so much shit done to them in terms of yep. like surgeries and whatnot. That it's almost, surgeries. Yeah. Well, that. yeah. You look at that Kumail Nanjani, the, for the Marvel movie where he's like shredded jacked. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you weren't just doing deadlifts like every day. That's some that's coming from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, that was certainly a case with, um, as you're saying, Quinn with Demi in this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I had a similar like thing. I never saw this movie growing up. And and in fact, I think like what we're saying is that this movie had was more known for its kind of as a negative movie, like the Razzies. Demi Moore, uh, Demi Moore uh, won a Razzie for her uh, role in this movie. I think really Scott got nominated for a Razzie. If you don't know what that is, the Golden Raz- Raspberries, the Razzies are uh, mm-hmm. kind of like a joke award that's given out in Hollywood for like the worst movies. Or I, I don't even know. There's, it's just like a group of guys who like make these awards. There's no like committee or whatever. Um, but this movie it's was like kind satire. Of, this movie was critically panned. And as you mentioned, Quinn, this came out following the release of Striptease, which is a movie that when you talked about the TBS Superstation, when I think of movies that played on TV, I think of striptease because I swear to God, that movie was on TV all the time. I yeah. I would turn it on, you know, 12 year old me turns it on, Demi Moore stripping. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm enjoying this movie. Um, but <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the movie in full, <laughs> but like that was a movie that'd be on TV all the time. But when it came out, it was a critical bomb. And uh, a lot of the people associated with this, with this movie, including uh, David Tui, who wrote the screenplay for G.I. Jane, he's kind of suggested that that, uh, impacted this movie as well too and and people's kind of perceptions of Demi Moore as well um as an yeah, actress I don't, I don't think her career really recovered after striptease and G.I. Jane did it which is a shame because I don't know about yeah. you guys but I think she's fucking amazing in this movie I think, I, I, I think she's a great actor she's awesome and like and what I was gonna say sorry about like when 
obviously she shaves her head in in, in the film but um I find she looks like my favorite performance of her uh is Ghost. I, I think Ghost yeah. is an an extraordinary film. Um, but um I think she looks like she does in Ghost in, in this. Maybe mm, it's she because, does, yeah, with the hair with the hair. Like, she, yeah. she does short have short hair. hair or like a, a few a few a few good men too, like that kind of hairstyle too, you know. I really yeah, like her in and, that one too. And Demi Moore was like she was like she was beautiful. She was gorgeous. She's, I think she's still a beautiful. I think she's always a beautiful oh, woman. She's great. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, like, like back in the '90s and stuff like that. It's. I didn't realize that. Um, she was nominated for for a Razzie for this, but yeah, I, I don't understand why because I I thought she was like, like a badass chick who like probably like paved the way for a lot of like performances and one that one that um. One that, sort of. When I watched uh, GI Jane, it reminded me of uh, uh, like Natalie Portman and V for Vendetta when yeah. like her head gets shaved and just like a lot of like there's just a lot of bravery there and like I just think that like I don't know I just think she's super pretty super badass in this and like yeah, yeah I, I don't see the hate at all. There, it was also a very intense training schedule. Like they actually recreated a, a real authentic Navy SEAL training, not to the same degree, of course, but um, I was listening to an interview. I think it was on Howard Stern and, and Debbie was saying how, you know, it was such a grueling training session. Like she would be throwing up, they'd be doing jogging and she would turn and vomit and keep going. And it was, it was all authentic. Like they actually tried to really simulate what it's like to go through this intense, intense training uh, to the point actually where Vigo Mortensen, who of course plays um, in this movie, he's a master chief, which every time I hear master chief, I just, I laugh. I, I didn't um, recognize him at first too. I kept thinking of the long COVID, you know, in Cronenberg. I, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> but I, I think a halo and I hear master chief, I'm like, all right, where's the flood. But uh, he plays Urgile, uh, this like a uh, hard, hard, rough, kind of quiet, silently quiet, but intense um, trainer at the, uh, at the Navy course. Um, and uh, he has a pretty significant role in this movie and his kind of strange relationship with, uh, with, uh, with O'Neill in this. But um, we see it, when they were doing the training, he actually trained separately with a different core of Navy SEAL. And actually he did that intentionally. So he didn't train with the same group that was in this movie. So they kind of resented him a bit and he wanted that to be kind of a bit of a dynamic with him interacting with the actors um, in in the in the scenes uh, so just to give a high kind of overview of this movie um this movie there's there's actually a lot of more of like a political intrigue side to this so this whole, the whole movie starts off with um the senate armed services committee they're interviewing the next um candidate for the secretary of the navy and uh good old uh, ann bancroft who plays this southern senator lillian de Havin, uh who's just a total awesome bitch she's so funny like she's so cutting and just like, well, my, my, my word, uh, you know, really laying on the Southern charm thick. But um, she's um, putting the Navy to task because the Navy is not gender neutral. And um, behind the scenes, they kind of come up to this deal that, you know, they're going to do this sort of test case, run a case with a woman training. Um, the idea being if the women kind of compare favorably to the men in this training exercise, the military will integrate women fully into the Navy. Women are involved in the military. Even at this time, women were involved in the military. But um, not to this degree that they're showing in this movie. There were no women Navy SEALs. And in fact, in real life, it wouldn't be until 2016 where actually the first women were started training with the Navy yeah. SEALs. So this was and a very last stand of terms of segregation of gender. I think it's interesting when you watch something like this one and, and Silence of the Lambs because you really see how hard a lot of these women have it in these kind of male-dominated industry to kind of even get by to, you know, they can't go like five minutes, you know, without some guy making a sex joke or like commenting on her appearance yeah, too. Certainly. We see that kind of with Jodie Foster's character in Silence of the Lambs too. And I kind of kept thinking of that too when I was watching it too. Yeah. And yeah, there's a great kind of during the opening uh, see part of this film where she's working as an intelligence officer. She has that moment where she's speaking out about um, some coordinates they, they should be mapping to and um, it's 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 layered pretty thick but I think like I, I will say like really Scott I think like you know this I couldn't help but think of Thelma and Louise because it's such an audacious feminist film and to me I thought it was a very didactic film and I was kind of shocked at how didactic this one is too like uh, we almost get like Demi Moore looking at the camera like well two out of five women or like it's, it's, it's breaking to the that point breaking the fourth wall and, and I thought and I and I really enjoyed it but like I think it did, does a really good job at like making and really showing you how much of an obstacle it is for Demi um well, I keep calling her Demi uh for Jordan O'Neill that's her name uh what she goes through in the military even in something like intelligence and there's actually a really interesting scene too because she has of course um a relationship her husband um who's um higher up figure in the um in the in the navy as well too um he's he's talking with her and 
you know, because she gets offered this this chance to go to this program. And, you know, we find out that in her past, she had actually tried to uh, join the Gulf War effort and was turned down. So she's someone who's been interested in wanting to kind of go for a more militaristic kind of role, um, a more frontline role. Um, but, um, you know, she gets selected for this program uh, because she's like just a top of her class, smart, intelligent, physically fit. Um, but also a woman. So they, she's kind of the perfect figure. And this also attracts some media buzz, which plays in the movie. Uh, but I thought there was a really interesting scene where she's talking with her husband. I guess he's her husband or maybe boyfriend, but he's talking where she's talking with him in the tub. And she kind of talks about, he's like, well, if you're going to join this program, if you make it like you could go off to war, I won't see you. And, you know, she's like, well, what will you do? What will you do then? And he, he's really noncommittal, doesn't give an answer. I thought it's really interesting because, you know, so much of the history of war is about men going off to you know it, traditionally in the 20th century of like i'm thinking the second world war the first world war men going off for years to fight across the world while women stayed at home and take took care of the homestead uh, managing their children stuff like that and it's almost a case where it's flipped a bit the idea of if i if i make this program if there's an active war i might not be around for years what what are you going to do and he's sort of like oh you know i don't know uh, he's very non-committal and i thought it was kind of interesting flip on um, again, the dynamics that usually women find themselves in when it comes to their their husbands, they're expected to stay home and and be there for them. And it's a, a case where that sort of flipped around. And I, I really did like their relationship too, especially there's that great scene later in the movie where she's of course coming back to the house and he's talking with her and he's like, you know, I really wanted you to fail. Like I wanted you, I wanted to keep you and, and, and take care of you, you know, in, in, implying inferring that of course, um, he now seeing what she's gone through respects her and and wants her to to be successful, and I was like, oh man, he had the right line to say in that moment for her because like she was so upset. I'm like, good dude, you really handled that much better than you did the first time around because you really really fucked it that first time. But uh, uh, of course, this all leads to this big training exercise. Um, they're training at their initial camp, I believe they're in Florida, and then they do like a more intense SCRE training. Um, but I was surprised a lot of this movie is frankly just really realistic, grueling training. There's really not a whole lot of actual, uh, we don't really learn a whole lot about Jordan O'Neill's background. We get a little bit of it. There's a bit of fraternizing that happens, but it plays it pretty straight as like, um, and, not, and not only does it play it straight in, in terms of the actual um, stuff in the film and, and the fact that it doesn't really regard her past, but even as like a, I, I thought about the sort of feminist dynamics of this movie because, you know, we get them talking with, with uh, Jordan uh, and she's like, you know, I'm not here to be a feminist statement. I'm here to just make it just like the men do. And I thought there was kind of an interesting part where uh, I, I did. I did like the, the feminist subtext, but I, I felt like in the second half, it kind of got a little jingoistic, you know, like we're uh, sick going well, to, yeah. to like <laughs> Liberians and stuff. And I was like, well, that I don't know how I feel. That's not Thumb and Louise well, anymore. <laughs> well, Scott Wilson's talking with her and he's like, uh, you know, you're here. That is a statement. And I mean, I thought that was pretty true, but like. Yeah, there's not really a whole lot there in terms of her personal life. And like, as a result, and and even as a feminist film, like I thought, you know, watching something like Thelma and Louise, I thought, you know, Thelma and Louise to me was really about how, you know, the different spaces that men and women occupy. And it's a movie about explicitly being a woman in this world from the start till the, of course, the great end. And in this movie, I, I mean, it is a movie, obviously, about about women and, and about um, something a woman has to go through and, and, and the different you know the, what, what it's like being in the military this sort of last stand of a just a total almost misogynistic structurally misogynistic enterprise um it's not even about femininity it's about just dehumanizing people and abusing them to the point that they're ready to go and kill brown people across the sea i was yeah, kind of like, joking with my wife i'm like see women can go torture people in iraq too like uh it's, it's kind, kind of, of the, funny the to watch this jacket treatment it's like full metal jacket uh, in that way isn't it that's yeah right, that's this what it reminded me of too. Yeah, it's I mean, this is like a pre-9-11 war jingoistic movie. And like I couldn't help but think like, you know, in real life, uh Jordan O'Neill would be like in Iraq. She would be in like uh Guantanamo Bay torturing people. And moreover, she'd probably be stumping for like Trump right now or something. I don't know. She doesn't seem like a very like politically inclined person, but I think her character is just such an interesting, it's such an interesting physical performance by Demi Moore because um, she is so jacked in this movie. Like she's literally she's doing just like building herself up. She, remind me a lot of like Ripley and Alien Three. Well, too. there's that scene too, where yeah. you know that that five minute scene where she's shaving your head too, and that's really interesting too, because she's like, well, fuck, fuck gender norms and whatever too. You know, yeah. I'm just doing my own thing, you know, too. But at the same time, she has to kind of embody a lot of kind of masculine tactics to kind of get by in this world or just kind of survive everyday life too. You know, because they they call her like lesbian and all these other things too, and you know. 
yeah, it's the, the, not easy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some heavy-handed stuff. There's that scene with uh, I can't remember the uh, I, I, another issue I had with this is like I don't remember the names of half the soldiers. They were just kind of like I know there's a few of them. There was like Jim Kazil's guy, he plays Slav. Uh, there is like uh, a few other guys, Pyro, Cortez. Uh, but I, they all kind of like blended together after a while. It was yeah, a little... it's like the second half of Full Metal Jacket. Like I just don't remember any. <laughs> There's a really heavy-handed scene part. where they're in the water, and Morris so cool is like a more Morris Chestnut's like, you know, black man back in the day. My father couldn't be a, and it's like this one scene where it's like, see, like fist bump. You know, we're just we're we're just the same. And I, I, it was good. It was a good scene, but I was like, okay, like it was so hammy. But um, I, I think that the actual performance they go through and i think the way like ridley shoots this too is really interesting because to me um it feels like he's taking a page out of tony's book like it feels so much like a tony scott movie to the point that actually i believe when they were in the submarine near the end of the film they actually used some scenes from crimson tide some like leftover b-real stuff and uh this is especially especially prominent in the ending of this film of course they end up it's much like top gun this movie where it's like a lot of it's yeah. training training and it's like whoop we're now in a real exercise we're off the the coast of libya i had no fucking idea what was going on the the, the, the visual filmmaking at the end of this movie is totally incoherent uh, but they end up in libya there's this incident where uh vigo mortensen master chief he's off doing his thing and gets like a they come in on him and they shoot him. They shoot, they're shooting at him. He gets shot. Um, and the rest of the soldiers, the rest of the SEALs are kind of off, ready to evacuate, decide to wait and kind of find their way back to him. The filmmaking, the, the visual filmmaking in this part of the movie is, is, is so wild. Like the, the camera's doing this like intense zoom in, zoom out stuff. And really, it's really shaky. It's nothing like we ever see in any other like Ridley Scott movie. I, I didn't feel like I was watching Tony um to a degree just the how snappy the editing is and and even some of the scenes where we're cutting to like video footage at like the at, at the, the courthouse and stuff like that it was very interesting style that way and kind of a bit of a way pro, is a proto film to something like black hawk down which is a very similar stylistic film i think um yep. and a film again that is also a ridley scott film that gets sort of compared more to like something like that what tony would do um i i don't know i, I think it's kind of interesting but i, I don't know i i feel like I, I really Scott, maybe this is just because the era it came out in, but there's some really intense shit happening here and some stuff that makes the military and Navy SEALs look pretty unflattering. It doesn't really get commented on and it's not really a part of the movie, the text of the movie. Like, uh, but I, I, I was, I was kind of horrified by how just awful this abusive training was. Yeah, particularly they, in they, they've normalized yeah. it too. You know, it's just yeah. like, and it's not sustainable. Like, you can't survive. And then she like, I have to do another round in this. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, I, I can't even do one round in that thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, particularly the SERE training when Florida, like when when they're literally beating the shit out of her, and, it's pretty, and to the point where, <laughs> and I, and it's an interesting scene where Vigo Mortensen is like basically simulating sexually assaulting her, literally, I believe mean, he rips her pants. Mm -hmm. The idea that he's saying is that this will happen to you potentially in a, in a real war situation, and she's beating the shit out of him, and it's it's such a it's such a fucking brutal scene. I I really cannot believe people gave her the golden Razzie. I just got to say that's got to be just sexism because like her I, performance I so, this movie I, is I incredible. I thought she was great. I thought she was great in this movie too. I thought she was she was the highlight for me of this movie. I didn't like this movie, but I, I she was better than Vigo Mortensen in this movie. I, I you know she was the star. You know Vigo Mortensen's kind of a cornball in this. I got to feel, yeah. feel like yeah, he's just it's an interesting performance though i think he's i think he's fine but uh i don't know but i will i will say as well too like i i you know i, I couldn't help again think this is pre-9-11 this is like clinton era american politics so much of this movie is the idea of the political maneuvering around the military around the changing norms of women in the military also the financial realities of the military because the later plot of this movie is we find out that um bunch of materials been leaked out about o'neill she's been seen with his out these women at the beach and of course i i laugh though because it's like you gotta tell me before we start this program are you a lesbian and it's like oh you can be a woman but god if you're a lesbian like we can't fuck this whole movie's done like we can't continue but we find out that they they've leaked material that suggests that she's uh romantically linked with this woman and so it leaks to the media we find out that this was actually leaked by uh senator De dehaven um and that she actually um is concerned that you know her her involvement in this operation and, and perhaps the future involvement of women in this operation um could reflect negatively on her from a political yeah. standpoint well, that, getting reelected that, that really confused me too with the feminist subtext because too because you had this kind of internalized misogyny too basically and i was like well how does that fit in with the feminist message of the movie so i was very confused when yeah. i watched it i didn't really know what to think <laughs> it feels like it's starting a needle between like feminist messaging but also like more political commentary because 
you know, DeHaven is like, um, it's almost like she's like a faux feminist. She's like putting on this airs of feminism um, to just kind of like submarine her like political ambition. And when this feminism, you know, harms her political ambition, um, she has to go against it. And the idea that this could be going against the political the desires to, you know, cut military spending and the bases, that this could actually be a rallying cry. Um, I don't know what Ridley Scott's political viewpoint is here, but I do think it's kind of interesting to think about during this time when it was like, yeah, why do we need this big military? Let's just cut everything. And then two years later, three years later, 9-11 happens. And it's like, all right, build, build, build. Fuck it. We're, you know, shock and awe. So it's a totally weird micro era. It was uh, as, you know, the, the off quote by Francis Fukuyama, the end of history. This was the era where America had won. There was no more enemies, just weird excursions around the world. And then, of course, that would change a lot in the years to follow um but yeah other than that i thought um i just thought the ending to me was a bit of a, a down point i don't know what you guys thought i just thought it was kind of a little bit visually muddy uh and like that's so that's much it. shaky cam <laughs> and i had no idea what was going on it was like they were just running in from wherever and i didn't understand the physical geography of of what was being filmed um but I, I thought it was I thought it was satisfying. I mean, the ending kind of ties in this whole idea of the theme of honor above all else. Um, the idea that, um, you know, we find out that Viggo Mortensen got this award because he carried a man out of a burning tank. And um, there's this whole through line of like putting your putting the team above all else and being there for your fellow man or woman and um, not letting your ego and, and stuff get in the way. I don't know how well it totally addresses that because for what it sounds like, like um, they're totally in their right to abandon Viggo Mortensen and flee, but it's sort of like, uh, you know, her showing her again, her own cunning. Um, and also the idea of no matter what the seals will always be a unit together and that this cohesiveness of uh, this, this cohesiveness and this humanity will usurp anything else. I don't know, but um, I, I gotta say I had a good time with this movie. Um, anything else that you guys thought um, that I might've missed about this? I think we covered most. Did you have anything yeah. mentioned Quinn? Um, I will just throw this in. Um, I don't think like, is there a better director that captures rain than Ridley Scott? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Rain it's and like steam, man. Rain and steam. <laughs> well, no, like, I, I mean, obviously Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies and it's raining like the entire film, but in this, like when they're like training in the water and stuff like that, and it's like the, the rain is coming down and it's like super overcast. Man, I I love that. I love his yeah. use of rain. Um, I don't know. I just think that that to me stands out. The setting of it stands out. Obviously, what you're seeing on screen, especially with like all this like grueling training and stuff like that. But yeah, Demi Moore kills it. Other than that, I don't really have much else to say uh, specifically about the movie. Um, do you guys want to get into our scores then? On that I note. I, I want to just quickly mention like this movie when it came out yeah. um, was kind of a bit of a bust. It, it, I think it had a budget of like 50 million. It, it made, uh, I, I, believe it actually I, made, I believe it actually ended up making its money back because it, it did fairly well internationally, but domestically it was a huge bust. Um, and also critically it was a movie that had a lot of kind of critical pans as you might expect. Um, again, a lot of it seemed to be people really ragging on Demi Moore. Um, and I, again, I, I don't, I don't misogynistic. see, yeah. I don't see how, why she was bad in this. In fact, I thought, her performance yeah, they're just ragging on her because she's the rating of the, her character is a bit limited i will say that like i don't think she has a lot to work with necessarily but that's a lot of i think oh, i could be just like the guys too well, and like I, a lot of like that it's, yeah. it's not a lot of like inner monologue about her feelings and stuff but i think a lot of critics are, are pissed because it's not their idea of what a woman should be and i think that's and, know, and moreover how many movies something. are there uh, to this degree about about men like there's so many movies where men are training we don't know much about their inner workings like this could have been a late era um, Stallone movie and like we would have just been like whatever yeah, been like a cult classic ETV or movie. something <laughs> yeah a direct video movie that we would have I would watch it on Tubi and I wouldn't give a shit about that part Since but Chuck when it's Norris, a woman you know, Chuck it has Norris to be, be more like endorsed yeah. just because of Chuck Norris you know? and I like yeah. that I like how it's almost like a DTV it has that DTV feel where it's like it couldn't be any B-rate action star uh, but it's Demi and I think she kind of carries that really well um, also I mentioned about that she won a Razzie award for her performance uh, I had a laugh about this because uh, we I just watched it, but Viggo Mortensen was nominated for face for for worst fake accent uh, from this movie at the Stinker Awards, but lost to John Voight for Anaconda, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I just All right, and I was like, I okay, I get it. That. That's that's a good award. That's a good win. Yeah. I, I I can't I can't slang that. That's um, on the mantle. Really, this movie has actually built more kind of cult following on home release. It was a very I think it sold at roughly like twenty two million. Um, in terms of like tape and DVD sales, um, it's been a very well-regarded film 
uh, in that degree. It was uh, released on Laserdisc. I think it's it got a Blu-ray release, I believe. And actually, um, a little bit of trivia when uh, that Chris Rock incident happened last year at the Oscars, um, it, this movie actually spiked and was in like the top 10 for Blu-ray purchased blu-rays so it had a bit of a little bit of a, a, a buzz following that incident and uh you know watching this movie and thinking about that incident i actually really i i think you know i i think chris rock was kind of a, a dick for that because like i think he made a, a crank about it thinking oh gi jane look her head shaved but I, I think this is actually a really good movie and i think like making cranks about it is kind of kind of sucks because i do think it's a really well done movie i think debbie moore's great in it there's some parts of the movies i think we pointed out there's some stuff in it that is a bit mixed the editing, um, the way it's shot near the end is 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 visually a bit muddled. Um, there's not a whole lot there after the surface level of it. I, I wish I kind of connected with more of the soldiers a bit more. We get a couple of scenes at the bar where they're like, you know, suck my dick, huh, and cheers. But there's not a whole lot going on there. A little bit with one of the soldiers about his his issues in the past, but it, it's it's it kind of it kind of moves along. It reminds me a lot again, like Top Gun to that degree. Top Gun's a movie that I also. I find pretty surface level too. It doesn't really have a lot going on. It's just a lot of, a lot of scenes, a lot of scenes of shit happening and dialogue. And then it just kind of gets, it's it's sort of an engine to work its way to its great ending. Hey Maverick, I'm sorry about Goose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess then maybe we can get to our scores then. Um, I guess Quinn, did you want to start it off with your uh, score for this movie? Yeah, sure. Um, I gave it a three out of five. Um, You know, uh, to me, it's it's a good movie. I like Demi's performance. Uh, Ridley Scott, again, with his visual work, his setting um, is good. I thought overall the characters were were, were pretty good. But uh, to me, uh, Demi Moore st- uh, stood out. Um, not, you know, it's not the best. It's definitely it's not a bad movie. It's, it's not a great movie to me. Um, I would like to revisit it again in, in the future. Um but yeah, three three out of five for me. Nothing, nothing wonderful, nothing bad at all. Cool. How about you, Curtis? Yeah, so I gave I gave it two point five out of five. Um, I didn't like this one so much. Um, I just found it quite confused. Like I liked a lot about it. Like I thought, like you guys said, I loved uh, Demi Moore. I thought she was great in it. I think it's really unfair that she got the Razzies and that sort of thing too, and a lot of shit put on her for you know doing strip tease too, which I also think is not fair. And uh, yeah, but I just I found it was a bit of a slog to get through. Uh, I didn't really enjoy the pacing so much and I didn't really connect with the other characters as much, too. I liked a lot of the the feminist elements, but then, you know, it gets kind of confused with the kind of jingoism, as I mentioned, too. So uh, I didn't really know what to make of that. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I do want to check out more of Demi Moore's uh, work, actually. And looking through her filmography, too, she did this really interesting HBO series uh, about abortion, too, which I kind of want to check out. Uh, so I might watch that next. Um, so I think the film was good for getting me to check out more of Demi Moore's filmography, but it wasn't my favorite uh, um, really Scott film by far. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my rating. What about you, John? Uh, I, I like the movie quite a bit. I gave it a three and a half. I actually like it more than White Squall. I, I thought the movie hmm. was very um, uh, visually fun. I, I, I tend to like more Tony than, than Ridley. So anytime Ridley does Tony, I'm I'm like locked in. And we get that in spades in this movie. Again, gave me that like DTV action movie feel. Has that kind of like Matrix era with like the digital text and everything's kind of green and black. It was giving me a lot of those kind of vibes. It feels very like 97, 99 range of kind of filmmaking. Um, great performances. Demi Moore was great. I mean, we, I don't want to belabor it. I think she's phenomenal in this movie. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think her physical acting in this is quite good. I think uh, really good emotional performances at times in this. Uh, that scene between her and Vigo where they're fighting um was a highlight for me i thought it was just incredible and i i, I thought it was really well done um i thought it's interesting how the film again is like a pre-9-11 piece of like military jingoistic propaganda that part was kind of fascinating to me and also the whole political machinations behind the scenes with like uh senator Dehaven and her chief of staff i kind of wish we got a little bit more of that sort of stuff and because it kind of it feels really surface and it feels like a little bit of like a I don't know, a deus ex machina. Like, it feels like it's just a, ve- a vehicle to get them to the end of the movie. And it, it felt so contrived a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, it does kind of make sense for the era that it's that's coming from. Um, but I, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I, I thought, like, the, the really intense focus on this Navy SEAL training was really well done. It was really grueling, um, physically impressive. You could tell that how authentic it was. You could tell that they used real um, 
steel training stations and stuff like that. It, it didn't feel very, uh, it, it felt very like, uh, you know, I, when I watch a Ridley movie, I feel like I'm seeing so much stuff on screen. Everything feels, every single layer of this picture feels detailed and, and there's care given to it. And I felt like that with this movie. Um, it just, uh, otherwise the subject matter was pretty plain, but I would say this movie is very underrated. I, I think it was really good. A movie that I'd never really heard much about only in negative terms and the movie whips, Way better than someone to watch over. Good movie. movie. Uh, that movie's <laughs> uh, so overall, we're three out of three out of five. So this movie's a bit of a little cult gem. So, folks, if you haven't seen GI Jane, I mean, if you're listening to this pod, you you, you watched it because we were spoiling the shit out of the movie. But if you don't give a shit, then watch it. We recommend it because it's a pretty decent movie. Um, I found it, you know, Curtis. I think it issues the pacing. I you know two 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 hours long. I thought it actually kind of went by pretty good. Um, definitely better than uh, I just watched. Uh, army of the dead that was two hours almost two and a half hours plus and i was like oh my god make it stop make it stop i appreciate a two hour sub two hour movie so um that that's it then for this movie uh we got we're, we got gladiator coming up we've next entered the new millennium so we're talking <laughs> a little movie you might have heard called gladiator we're kind of really getting to the era where i remember ridley scott because i think we were yeah. all of the age we were all kids we young, were all like young hakeen phoenix <laughs> i i remember exactly when gladiator came out i gotta be honest i'm not really a big gladiator guy but like that movie is probably when you think of really scott movies that is sort of the movie of his career it's the movie that made him critically uh you know following film and louise kind of a fallow period through most of the 90s this is really a movie that kind of brought him back to the mainstream and, and critical hollywood mainstream and i feel like ever since he's he's been at that level because after gladiator you just get nothing but like big massive budget a lot of historical epics a lot of like crime movies some varying genre stuff that's kind of fascinating so i feel like we're really kicking in gear with a lot of the really stuff that i remember from my childhood like hannibal like i remember that movie coming out i remember oh, I renting some of these movies on <laughs> dvd as a kid and stuff like that so we're really in the prime era of like what i remember ridley scott um, in terms of what's coming up next too, I believe uh, we're going to be doing another canon pick with actually simon his canon canon pick so it's was that his be... on on monday or uh on monday are we doing next, ne- next next sorry next sunday oh shit i was like are we recording tomorrow i'm like <laughs> oh no <laughs> fuck it we'll do it live I-, I don't know i think we'll do it whenever but i think uh i think i believe for us for simon we're gonna be doing uh conan the barbarian so that'll be fun um and we're gonna be having some stuff coming up as well more ridley scott's coming up on our milestone episode too that'll be coming up so a lot of fun fun stuff to come anything you guys want to maybe mention or plug before we uh close it out that's everything week? for me Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier at the start of the podcast, today I'm going to see Oppenheimer. Um, oh, enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. It's been a long time uh, since I've done any like write-ups or reviews or anything. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to review uh, Barbie or uh, Oppenheimer and give it a score like I normally do, but I'm definitely going to do uh, a write-up. So I'll be putting that write-up on the Seedstruck uh, movie page. Um but I'll see. Maybe I will score them both and do a proper review of them both because um, I feel like both need to be sort of written about. So I'm excited to write again. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, that's all I have for me. John, anything? I guess I will mention actually really quick because I mentioned before, if you look at the episode notes, uh, I have my sub stack there and I've been uh, because we don't really do the what we watch anymore. I've been putting my you know, I lock my stuff on Letterboxd and, and you can follow me there if you'd like. But um, every at the end of every month, I just post a, just a summary of what I watched, just kind of ripped from Letterboxd. So uh, by the time this comes out, I'll be posting what I watched in July. So if you're interested, if you like when I, we talk about the stuff, if you like what I've I watched, you can you can take a look at that. I'll be talking about the stuff I've I've checked out. It includes Oppenheimer, includes some other releases. I, I, I name dropped Army of the Dead. I watched that one pretty recently. Um, so I'll be talking about some of that stuff um, before the end of the month. So um, I guess in that note, seat struck at ease. All right, folks. We'll see you all again next week. Hoorah! Hoorah. See you guys. The future is a war.